know you have. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, Far Far Away family? Welcome back to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing really new going on out here in the Outer Rim. Okay, you know that I'm going to ask. What did everyone think of the first episode of Mando Season 3? There was a few things that I didn't care for, but overall, I thought it started out very strong. It gave us all that we needed to see where the season is headed, and that's good enough for me. So email us at sway.audio at gmail.com and let us know what you thought of it. So let's talk some news right quick. And since we are talking Mandalorian in live action, let's just keep on the same path. Because we know Mando Season 3 is currently airing on Disney+, and it is the first of three live-action Star Wars series coming to the platform this year. Next up is Ahsoka, which wrapped principal photography a few months ago, and it is currently in post-production. We have learned through the website of Otto Neiman's International, a company that provided the cameras for the show, that Eric Stilberg and Kieran Tran were the two cinematographers hats off the Star Wars cover for spotting it in the first place. But Stilberg was the director of photography in 2021's Ghostbusters Afterlife and three episodes of the Marvel Studios series Hawkeye. And while Tran shot two episodes of Apple TV's Plus Roar and 2020's Palm Springs, a release date for Ahsoka has not been set yet. But Rosario Dawson said recently it would come out sometime during the fall. Details will surely be provided at Star Wars Celebration, where they are also going to be showing the first trailer and possibly announcing the entire cast too. So far, besides Rosario, the only two actresses we have confirmed to be in the series is Natasha Lou Bedario, who was announced to the world as Sabine Wren last May, and who could possibly show up later in Mandalorian Season 3, and Ivano Senecchio, who confirmed reporting of her cast in late, but whose role remains under wrap. Mary Elizabeth Winston, Eamon Ephedia, Ray Stevenson, and Matthew Law have all been reported to be in the series, though nothing has been officially confirmed. Mary is rumored to play Harrison Dula, who we know is in the same series since Dave showed the teaser trailer in Celebrations last year, while Eamon is reportedly playing Ezra Bridger, who along with Grand Admiral Thrawn will be the MacGuffin of the series. But other than that, we don't have too much to go on. Dave Filoni, Seth Green, and Peter Ramsey all directed episodes of Ahsoka series, but the lack there of leaks has kept us in the dark, which I think is a good thing. I am super excited for this series. Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters, and I truly believe that Dave is going to make this series awesome. Ahsoka is his baby. Okay, now let's get back to Brotherhood, because when we left off last week, Mill and Anakin were on Kato Nymoria, and they had just found some bombs. Plus, they had to rescue Obi-Wan, and they had to get it all done within 24 hours. So let's see what's happening now. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Several hours into Obi-Wan's meditation, a noise brought him back into the moment. A beep, then some mechanical grinding, followed by a heavy clank that echoed throughout the cell. He remained seated on the floor until the door began to slide open, the light from the outside casting a silhouette. The figure met all standard Neimoidian proportions, but carried itself with a different posture from the usual Neimoidian guards. This one had the weight of experience on its shoulders. It was Rug, holding up some sort of device. She looked up, then over each shoulder, then clicked the device. It fired off two quick beeps before she stepped inside, the door shutting behind her. A single finger went to her mouth. Obi-Wan took the hint and refrained from saying anything until she indicated otherwise. 
A thin orange beam projected from the device, expanding out in all directions to scan the floor before hitting the bottom corners and moving upward. It crawled up the walls and made it to the ceiling, where all four sides approached a center point, collapsing the beam until it became a single dot that vanished. There, Marug said, pocketing the device, temporarily disables the surveillance. Are you here to break me out? Obi-Wan asked, standing to meet Rug face to face. I don't know. Depends on what we figure out. She sighed, then looked around the cell. We don't have a lot of time. Where is your young friend? Kita, I'm sorry he keeps shooting at you. Rug laughed, which made Obi-Wan laugh. He's young and impulsive, but his patriotic intentions are true. I just wish he slowed down before pulling any triggers. Obi-Wan didn't try hiding his smile at that. I've said that before. Too many times. They're a handful, right? But it's the only way they'll learn. Mmm. Obi-Wan said with a nod before taking this into a more serious direction. I suggest keeping him away from Asajj Ventress. Rug's eyes narrowed, a clear shift in her shoulders and posture at the mention of Ventress. I've tried, but I know she's found him. Or maybe he's found her. There's something off about her. She arrived under the guise of a diplomatic overseer. But everything she says has a clear purpose. One that I don't agree with. I don't trust her. Well, I could say the same about you. Rug's words stung, but Obi-Wan knew he deserved it. It's just you and me here. No Seekers, no Kita, no Ventress. So I want honesty, and I want it now. Why didn't you tell me about the data pad? It's what I said before. I needed to know if it was authentic or not. Then tell me you had a lead. Let me ask you this. If the data pad pointed at the Separatists, would you have kept it from me? That is a hypothetical. That's true. Don't give me that. Your own personal biases kept that information from me. And here's the thing, the really absurd thing that could have saved us a whole lot of headaches. Maybe even prevented you from being in this prison cell right now. What's that? I told you I had a lead and I needed a few days. Which was exactly what you should have said to me. Well, I got my confirmation from my sources, and my lead points to the Separatists. Rug took out a data pad from her back pocket and tossed it at him. Obi-Wan caught it and began scrolling through the screen. The information sat neatly organized, formatted section by section in a table. The explosive patterns and incendiary traces exactly matched the separatist blazer bombs seen in the field, only scaled down onto a personal scale. The clamping brackets, the mounting tools, even the bomb placement all matched exact specifications used by separatist droids. It was as detailed as the report he'd recovered on the surface, if not more so. You're certain this is authentic? Absolutely. I'd bet my life on it. You're betting mine on it, Obi-Wan said, handing it back to her. 
That too. A wave of emotions flooded through Obi-Wan, a sense of relief and a depressurizing calm that dissipated the anxiety of the last few days. Despite all his training and abilities, something of this magnitude still weighed on him more than he wanted to recognize, let alone admit, given the sudden change he felt. So the Republic didn't do it, he said, as if stating it made it all more real. But one thing doesn't make sense. That transmission from my Padawan... There it was. He almost said it again. My partner. It had confirmed the authenticity of the materials. Granted, with the context still a mystery. But my source... I trust him with vetting these types of things. It's unlike him to be this wrong on this type of scope. Rug looked at him. Her head tilted as if she stared right through him. Her large eyes didn't blink didn't even move until several seconds passed and her expression dropped. You don't get it, do you? Apparently not. What am I missing here? Rogue huffed out a sigh, then began a slow pace around the room. You're thinking like a Jedi, within the rules of how the Republic operates, or how you think the Republic operates. What is that supposed to mean? There's the way governments work for the people, and the way they work for themselves. I told you, people like me shape the truth. I've done missions without any authorizations from heads of state. I've murdered people by making it look like a complete accident. These things happen. This galaxy is a brutal, cold place with no logic or compassion. I've seen it, she said. Thumb tapping against her armored chest. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Though she didn't explicitly say, Rug's words opened up a new path of thinking. An ugly underbelly of possibility that existed outside the realm of Jedi dogma and Republic law. Obi-Wan took in a short inhale, one that nearly knocked him off balance. The data... Now you're starting to understand, Rook said, her voice dry, almost apologetic. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. You're absolutely certain about your findings. Like you, I used someone I trust. I tracked what I could against archives from the governmental data center. It's ironic, looking up this information, she said with a head shake. The biggest makeshift infirmary is right next to the data center where all the bombing information is stored. She pulled out the small device she used to disable surveillance and checked it. This is about to go down a deep hole with no clear answers. So we need to be honest with each other from here on out. Agree? Agree? We may be the only two people in this operating on good faith. 
Which means every side is relying on us to get this right. Whether they know it or not. Whether they like it or not. Obi-Wan said, his voice steady. That's right. Rogue shook her head, eyes dimming into a grim expression. No more seeing it as Republic versus Separatist. That's too simple, too binary. Evidence points to each side, which leaves only one possibility. Someone is playing both sides in secret. Everything Obi-Wan had hoped to achieve with his investigation, from the moment he spoke with Count Dooku among the Jedi Council, suddenly changed. Like a hollow recorder quickly rotating on its subject to reveal a, a completely different image. His mind began churning, the way ideas spun off further ideas for an endless chain of possibilities. Who would want to escalate on both sides? Rug asked, practically reading Obi-Wan's mind. Who benefits from that? Mutually assured destruction helps no one, not even the lawless. They need a framework to exploit. It would not be the Trade Federation. Obi-Wan thought of Satine, her speech on neutrality urging a policy of non-intervention to maintain peace on Mandalore. Nor a neutral system. The longer this goes on, the more it inhibits anyone's ability to deal from a neutral stance. This was a systemic strike. Not something that could be done by a rogue agent. Or even something like the Bounty Hunters Guild. You've seen the blast points, the damage analysis. It's too precise. I've worked with Bounty Hunters. Rug said with a chuckle. And precise is not part of their standard operating procedure. So the question is, did they emulate Republic and Separatist protocols? Or were both engaged in secret ops unknowingly commissioned by the same party? Obi-Wan reached out into the currents of the Force, sinking into it to let it carry him somewhere. But it didn't. The normal sense of flow that came with connecting to the Force felt dissonant here, interrupted, chaotic, blocked. An unexpected fight required to get through the thick cloak draped over it. The dark side. Since the war erupted, the Jedi had been sent all over the galaxy, a mix of fighting Separatist forces while playing diplomat to rally local systems to maintain their loyalty to the Republic. But every now and then, when Obi-Wan had a quiet moment, he found himself drawn back to a different moment on Geonosis. Not the battle that spiraled out of control, endless clones and droids and Jedi massacring one another, but a quiet moment beforehand. The only face-to-face -face exchange he ever had with Dooku, Count of Sereno, and leader of the Separatist forces. He'd spewed lies, a blatant attempt to draw Obi-Wan in, even daring to invoke the name of Qui-Gon Jinn. But somewhere in that obfuscation, one statement held true. Something Obi-Wan felt certain in his bones. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, he'd said. The dark side, yes. But a single Sith Lord holding such sway without any hint 
Detected by the Jedi? Impossible. The Jedi were nearly 10,000 strong, an interconnected web of beings in tune with the Force. And such a disturbance to the flow of life would be obvious. No, these machinations must be something else. A symptom of the dark side, but surely not its epicenter. Obi-Wan focused on that while Rude checked her device again. Perhaps the culprit is not important. He finally said, his mind working to take steps ahead of whatever nudged the galaxy into further conflict. Perhaps what is important is that both sides see how they are being weaponized against each other. And with that awareness, the urgency to find common ground will be ever greater. Her device beeped, its tip changing from orange to a blinking red. We're running out of time before surveillance resumes. Do you believe the best chance for peace is for you to bring this information back to the Republic right now? Are you offering to help me escape? If that's in the best interests of my people, then yes. Obi-Wan hesitated, stroking his beard in contemplation. What will happen if you are caught assisting me? <laughs> best case? Rook's laugh said more than enough. They arrest me for treason. Worst case, well, I suppose I wouldn't be alive long enough to know what they'd specifically do. I understand, he said, watching the blinking red light on her device. Do you still believe in the ideals that drive your government? You can always believe in the cause, she said, even if you don't agree with the leadership. The device's light accelerated its beeping and she moved to the door, sliding it open enough to peek outside. You must choose. The paths before Obi-Wan came with no easy answers. If Anakin had been here, they could have collaborated, somehow involving one of his daring escapes to sneakily inform the Republic while Obi-Wan used his trial as his only chance of public explanation, possibly negotiation. But that wasn't the case here. He was a lone emissary of the Republic, and his goal was peace. Escaping now would cast the Republic in an even worse light. And though the odds appeared slim for any diplomacy to sway Caden Amordian officials, they still came with a very harsh but hopeful truth. Slim was better than none. I will remain here for now. You're sure? She stepped out, fingers gripping the door. The path out is clear. Surveillance will resume soon. We must go now if you're leaving. Obi-Wan shook his head. I hope you'll be there tomorrow, he said, in case I need some help. His hand waved at the door, the force nudging it closed. All around him, subtle clicking noises ticked through the room. The sound of audio and video surveillance reactivating. Rogue's muffled voice came through the thick walls like a casual greeting to a passing guard. Though the floor was cold and uncomfortable, Obi-Wan resumed his position for deep meditation. Seated, legs crossed, mind and body open to the Force. Okay, this part wasn't that good, and I'm not going to say it, but everyone that's been listening for a while knows exactly what I'm thinking. 
but it did offer some information. I liked the way that Rue popped into Obi-Wan's cell and confronted him about his leads, the one thing that he didn't tell her about. That took some guts for her to do, and the little back and forth about Ventress was pretty good as well. I liked the way that they both said they didn't trust her. Their discussion about their trainees and the way Rogue explained the real galaxy to Obi-Wan that caused him to really start to think. And the two of them came to the conclusion that the only way that they will get out of this is by working together. And that's all this part had to offer. So let's get to the quote for this week. And it comes to us from Walter Elliott. He said, perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races one after another. This quote perfectly captures the essence of perseverance. It's not just about enduring a single long and difficult task, but about having the resilience to keep going. Even in the face of many short setbacks, perseverance requires the ability to stay focused and motivated, even when progress seems slow and non-existent. The analogy of many short races is particular because it speaks to the idea that success is not always immediate and that progress is often made in small increments over time. It is easy to become discouraged when faced with obstacles and setbacks, but the key to perseverance is to keep pushing forward, one small step at a time. Moreover, this quote also emphasizes the importance of consistency and the persistence in achieving our goals. Success is not always about making a big effort once, but about constantly putting in the work and effort required to achieve the goals. Perseverance requires a level of dedication and discipline that goes beyond the occasional burst of motivation. This quote reminds us that perseverance is not just about endurance, but about the ability to keep going, even in the face of many small setbacks. It emphasizes the importance of consistency and persistence in achieving your goals. The underscore idea that progress is often made in small increments over time. Ultimately, the key to preference is staying focused and motivated, even when progress seems slow or non-existent. You have to keep pushing forward, one small step at a time. And that's all I got for this episode. Join us next week as we continue Brotherhood Part 38. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason Odega. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>